When did you start working in schizophrenia? It's 50 years since I first went to the Institute of Psychiatry and they asked me to talk about what did we think about psychosis in the 1970s and how, how has it changed? So that's, that's really what I'm talking about. Can you take yourself back to the Robin Murray of 50 years ago and imagine that you were sitting and listening to this talk by a kind of famous professor what, how would you have reacted to it, do you think? I would, at that time, have been thinking of Mick Jagger's view that you should never believe anybody over 30. First of all, give us the bottom line of the talk. What's the kind of sentence-long summary of this talk that you're going to give? In the 1970s, we thought schizophrenia was a discrete disease, that it was a genetic brain disease, and that the frequency was the same and the causes were the same everywhere and the outlook was very bad. No, we don't believe any of these things. Is the 2023 view that schizophrenia is a thing at all? Schizophrenia is really just a sort of name for that psychiatrist gift to people with severe psychosis that doesn't immediately go away. And uh, when I was young, we spent a lot of time arguing, was this schizophrenia or was it not? Was it paranoid psychosis or was it schizoaffective disorder? And confused patients and their relatives with, uh, with this. It's just a dimension. It's like obesity or hypertension. Uh, that there are people out in the community who are not at all uh, uh, obese. And then there's, there's gradually uh, uh, an increment towards people who are very obese. And it's the same with psychosis. That In, in the community, there are people who are not at all psych have any psychotic symptoms, but the, the, you all know amongst your your, your friends and so on, some are a bit suspicious and can become a bit paranoid at, at times. Then there are people... Uh, who comes to see psychiatrists who we would think had a paranoid personality or paranoid psychosis. And then we would say they, they had psych psychosis and schizophrenia is sort of at the, at the, at the, the, the end of that continuum. But there's nothing, nothing categorically different with people with, with, with schizophrenia. And you say in your talk that the diagnosis is not useful. It doesn't help us help people. Personally, I think it does people damage because a people can, one psychiatrist can say, well, it's just, it's a, a diagnosis and we can treat it and, uh, and things can be quite good. But if people look up on the internet, they see, see that schizophrenia is a deteriorating brain disease, which leads to a, a recurrence and chronicity. And it, the diagnosis spreads gloom. First of all, in psychiatrists uh, who uh, actually psychiatrists have an excuse for bad treatment. If, if things go badly, then they can say, well, it's the illness. It's not because of our, our, our treatment. But for patients, you know, maybe they're, they're, this is the first episode and they're at university and they, they want to get back to university and 
Uh, if they think it's uh, uh, this is schizophrenia, then psychiatrists may say, "Oh, I don't think you'll be able to manage to go back to to education." And oh, I'm not sure about uh, getting a job and getting married. So it, it's uh, the, the original term of schizophrenia was dementia praecox, dementia in young people. There still is this sort of gloomy stigma attached to it. So maybe we could spend a few minutes, you can kind of take us on this 50-year journey and tell us a little bit about where where we were 50 years ago and kind of where we are now. First of all, we thought that there were, the, there were progressive brain abnormalities. And in the 1970s, the first scan, well, CT scans of the brain came out. And they showed that there were differences between people with schizophrenia and the rest of the population and that they seemed to get worse as uh, the illness uh, continued. And uh, it is true that some people with schizophrenia have some developmental uh, problems. They're, 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 they're not deterioration, but they probably have always been there in uh, through their development. But then we found we in 1976, the professor of neurology at my institute said, well, these changes, maybe they're due to the antipsychotics. And nobody paid the slightest bit of attention to him. Amazingly, it totally disappeared. I had forgotten this. And it was a great astonishment. I discovered this uh, about 10 years ago, that he had said it, could, it was probably due to antipsychotics. And now we think this is true, that the brain changes, the, the decrease in the volume of the cortex and the increase of the fluid-filled spaces in the brain are due to a combination of things, one of which is antipsychotics and another is uh, the lifestyle that people have because many people with schizophrenia get a bit fat and they smoke uh, uh, cigarettes too much and they don't take any exercise and they get blood pressure troubles and diabetes and all of these things are bad for the brain. So the changes in the brain are consequent upon these things. They're not part of, of uh, some intrinsic uh, process. The other curious thing that uh, we believed uh, we, was that the incidence, the frequency of schizophrenia was the same everywhere. I mean, it's very, it's actually a mad idea because there, there are no dis dis disorders that have the same uh, incidence frequency everywhere. And now we know that it, uh, it, it, it's, it changes quite, quite, quite a lot. Psychosis and schizophrenia. Well, sadly. London has some um, amongst the highest rates. So uh, my wife is from Sicily, and uh, she always says that it was a bad idea to move from Sicily to London because uh, uh, the, in, in the frequency of schizophrenia or, 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 and psychosis is uh, about five times higher. I mean, it's an amazing amount. I, I have to say she's okay so far, but, uh, I, that, but this is a big difference. And... Uh, we also know that it's uh, bigger in the cities, so the, the frequency in London is much bigger than in rural Dumfries or Cambridgeshire or places like that. And then, of course, we got to thinking, what is the, what are the reasons for that? And uh, one of them is probably social isolation. You can become isolated, and why why are most of us not deluded? Because if we say something strange, our partner or a friend will say, 
you really believe that, and you sort of, you're sort of normalized by that. But if you become socialized, you be socially isolated, you can begin to think in a way that isn't normalized. And then, of course, most most importantly, we've got much more drug abuse. So, uh, abuse of amphetamines, cocaine, and especially cannabis has pushed up the rates. About about a third of the people we see with psychosis wouldn't have developed psychosis had they not been battering at uh, at skunk-like uh, cannabis, you know, five joints a day. That's a, a, a sort of amount. So all of these things we know are uh, are different. And uh, then we know, we, we, we also thought, there was a, the theory was that you inherited a big gene, one big gene, like the gene for Huntington's chorea or cystic fibrosis. And if you got that, you were very likely to get either schizophrenia or be a bit eccentric and, uh, and odd. And now we know that, of course, there are lots and lots of little genes. Uh, it's like inheriting the likelihood of becoming tall or short uh, or clever or not clever. They, there's a lot, lots and little genes contributing and they interact with the environmental factors. So... For all of these reasons, I don't think most of the, the, the idea that, you know, that was this discrete disorder called schizophrenia, and we knew uh, what, what caused it. It was a medical, predominantly a medical condition. Now we know that that is too simplistic, that uh, psychosis is a continuum, and there are different kinds. For example, there's a developmental kind, there's a drug-induced kind. There's a social adversity kind. So people who have been abused as children or people who uh, uh, have been bullied at school or people who have something terrible happen to them in their adult life, they can all be pushed into psychosis. And people like that, they don't need the same treatment as somebody who goes psychotic after using cannabis. They need well, they they probably all will benefit from antipsychotics, but uh, people who have developed psychosis in the context of child abuse or social adversity, they need psychological treatment as well. I uh, so uh, there we we have these uh, sort of different types, and they need different treatments. So it's much more important to think. You get a diagnosis of psychosis, and then you get treated with an antipsychotic, but we need to know what the causes are because if you can treat the causes, you can do something about, uh, or you can prevent these causes keeping pushing people into, into psychosis. So if you, know, if, you, if you think of heart disease, you can, somebody gets a, a diagnosis of a, a heart attack or something, then they want to know, is it, a, is it familial? Is it due to hypertension? Is it due to them smoking furiously? Is it due to obesity? And then you take these causes and you try and do something about them. And this is, I think, in in psychiatry, we've been too focused on the diagnosis. And we thought there was something magical if you decided this people person had schizophrenia rather than schizoaffective disorder. Uh, and somewhere down the line, the social causes got forgotten about. It's actually quite, I think, back. It wasn't, for the first 
25 years of my life in psychiatry, I did not hear anybody talk about the possibility that child abuse might increase the risk of psychosis. Now, now it's uh, uh, well, uh, we, there's, you know, there's much more interest in, in child abuse in general. So uh, anyway, I think we're in a much more optimistic uh, situation and uh, we can uh, we can look forward to the outlook getting better for people with psychosis. The medications are, are slowly improving, but the psychological approach and the social approach have, have improved a lot, I think. I'm interested in your thoughts on this kind of not going far enough, what you're saying here, because a lot of people listening to this will be saying, oh, you know, diagnosis in broad terms in mental health is the problem. Um, and so Robin's kind of throwing out schizophrenia as a, as a useless label, but actually he needs to chuck the whole thing away. And let's just think about what's happened to people and what they do in their lives. And let's use those symptoms as the way that we, you know, some sort of transdiagnostic approach. Do you think that's where we're going in 30 years time? Hopefully not in 30, 30 years time. I think in psychosis, we have gone that way already. So psychiatrists don't treat schizophrenia or schizoaffective disorder. They treat positive symptoms or a depression or the particular aspects of it. So the, the diagnosis is just is a bit of a, a dinosaur. Well, I think I think you have to have some system of grouping people together. If you have no system of classification, then people may come along with severe psychotic symptoms and you think, well, marital therapy might be the best thing for them. Or you might have people who come along with marital therapy. You might say, well, give them ECT. Uh, so you have to have some, uh, you have to have some guidelines of what are the appropriate uh, 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 treatments for, for, for people. So I think it's the, it is what what is the most the best treatment and to develop that you probably have to divide people up in one one way or another to test the frequency because if you give antidepressants to somebody who is bipolar you'll push them into mania so you need to, you, 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 you 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 do you do need to address address these questions so i think in practice one one that still needs guidelines but in uh, theoretically we now know that the genes which predispose to psychiatric disorder they don't predispose to o ocd or depression or bipolar disorder or schizophrenia all separately they're they're very similar so the the genes that predispose to people who get a diagnosis of schizophrenia two-thirds of them predisposed to people to get a diagnosis of bipolar disorder there's a huge overlap this is why quite often people get a diagnosis of one and then they get a diagnosis of another and there is now what is called the p-score i don't know if you've followed the absalom caspi and company and temi moffat's view that they have a score which treats a psychiatric problems as a continuum from people who have anxiety and depression and uh, uh, and may recover spontaneously to more severe anxiety, depression, then on to uh, bipolar disorder and then uh, to sort of severe psychosis and schizophrenia at the top. And so I think uh, I, 
psychiatric disorder. If you look at neurolog neurological disorders, they're all separate, and they the causes of a stroke and multiple sclerosis are quite separate. Uh, if you look at the causes of psychiatric disorders, well, many of them are are are, are the same. We, we mentioned child abuse, or a, a social disadvantage and poverty, a unemployment. A, I mean, these are factors that increase risks of everything from alcoholism to PTSD to psychosis. So there definitely is a huge overlap in the in in the causes and and in the treatment in psychiatric disorders they're not categories and just finally i'm interested in how hopeful you are because you're kind of giving this impression that you know 50 years ago we didn't know very much at all 30 years ago we were maybe just getting it together now we know quite a lot now and i'm quite hopeful and things are getting better is that really where we are in mental health science or are we still in the foothills well, in understanding the mind and the brain, obviously, they are very complex. You know, I talk to medical students and I say, you know, disorders like disorders of the thyroid or the kidneys, they're dead boring because they're, 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 they, you, you can understand them. And if need be, you can re, you can replace the kidneys or you can even get a heart transplant. The brain and the mind are so it's a it is a. A, a much more new frontier uh, for understanding. So neuroscience and the social sciences influencing the mind. We've got so much, to, we, we have uh, so much to learn. But I think the big problem about treating people at present is not what we don't know, it's the fact we can't deliver the care. The, the sort of touchstone of psychiatric care has been the multidisciplinary team with a psychiatrist, psychologist, social worker, occupational therapist, and, and, and nurses all working as a team. Well, as austerity has got worse, they've all got thrown out. So, uh, you know, it's jolly difficult to get a social worker or to get a psychologist to see it, to, to see, see a patient. And often it's left with a psychiatrist and a uh, uh, and, and the psychiatrist doesn't have time to talk properly with the with, with the patient. So I think we could deliver very much better treatment than than uh, we, we we're able to because of the constraints. In 2012, I chaired a thing called the Schizophrenia Commission, and we made lots of recommendations. We were re really unfortunate because this coincided with the the implementation of austerity and the, the continuing squeeze. So actually, many of the things we suggested have actually got, you know, rather than being implemented, they've gone backwards. With the exception of a better treatment for, for a, people with first episode psychosis, I think there's no doubt that that is very much better. The problem is that my, my wife works in an early intervention unit. She says the problem is people in tears if they haven't totally recovered after two or three years and they, they know they're going to get dumped into the general psychiatric services, which don't have as much resources and uh, people are much more likely not to have a sort of a long-term supportive ne uh, net network or, 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 uh, as, as they do in the early intervention units. Do you find yourself becoming more political the older you get? 
No, I've always been political, <laughs> but but uh, I certainly think psychiatrists have not talked about prevention. Somehow or other, we are trained to look after the individual and think about the individual in their family context. We we don't we have, we've not thought. I mean, why? Are you much, so much more likely to develop psychosis or other severe psychiatric illnesses if you're born and brought up in the inner city than uh, in 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 the countryside? So, I think in some ways some of our inner city areas are psychotoxic, and uh, that uh, you know, living, getting being brought up in an area where. There's no social cohesion and you don't know your neighbours. If you do know your neighbours, you may be scared of them. Uh, there may be drug dealers. Uh, you may be worried about gangs. Uh, you, uh, you, uh, you and your family may have very little resources. I think psychiatrists and psychologists need to talk more about, about these issues. issues. In general medicine, people like Michael Marmot have been making the case that inequality uh, leads to 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 many chronic illnesses. In psychiatry, we 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 haven't uh, uh, we haven't made these cases, but in many ways, it's much more it's much more obvious that uh, it, in in our catchment area, the area that our hospital looks after, we have. Poor areas like Peckham and Lewisham and Brixton, where there are lots and lots of people who develop psychosis, and then we have a, we have a Dulwich, and far fewer people develop psychosis there because they have a much more charmed life and they have had much more resources and much more support, and they're not being exposed to the same same extent of risk factors that will push them into into psychosis. So we, I think psychiatrists should be out there shouting about this. Mm -hmm.